Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to Check My Oil, brought to you by Missing the Point. We're talking about another UFC pay-per-view. You, the awesome Spike TV music. No, we're not in that era anymore. We're we're an ESPN sport now. We're polished. We're ready to go. Um, it's going to be a good one. I, I feel like we've been talking about guys. I've got the usual cast of, 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 of Chuckle Fucks here. I've got Ben um, Peak, former professional mixed martial artist. I've got uh, Matt Wilcox, uh, current professional degenerate. Um, and myself, uh, Dave Clark, uh, professional leader of the group. So uh, it's going to be good. We got uh, Burns Muhammad as the co-main event. We got Sterling Cejudo as the as the main event um, uh, for the King of Cringe. Um, and we're going to talk about that later. We're going to go through all the early prelims. Um, we're spoiled again. It's, it's there's a lot of good good fights on this card, gents. Um, I would say of all the cards we've talked about, uh, Matt, if if you could weigh in on this as a whole. Of all the cards we talked about, I think this has the most cumulative underdog value bet of all the cards. I think that this, the, I think Vegas has some weird lines on this one, as they always do with combat sports, but not boxing. They fucking know who's going to win every boxing match. <laughs> it's like, don't fucking, don't bet on the underdog in a boxing match in, in 2023. Um, I, I, you, didn't, you didn't bet Garcia, did you? In that, in that Davis-Garcia match? You didn't. Okay, Are you good. kidding me? You love chasing an underdog. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's a lot of value in these underdogs. Uh, it's going to be fun to talk about. We did prep and talk about Santos versus Munoz, uh, but that fight's off. That's canceled. Um, nobody's nobody's crying about that. Most people will still be at the concession stands by the time they fight. Um, but Holmes Ribeiro, Holmes Ribeiro, right off the bat, I think there's value for Holmes. Am I fucking crazy? No, you're not crazy. I love Holmes in this. A little bit younger. He's a little bit hungrier. Um, the concerning thing was his last fight against Park where yeah. uh, he got submitted, but he's going against Claudio, who's just a bare-bones boxer, just going to come in there swinging at That's him. That's what I, I was really... going to say. There isn't a risk of that happening to him again. I know his UFC uh, career has gone off to a little bit of a skid, but he was 7-1 and one coming into the UFC. Right. So there's got to be some talent there. You know, there right. has And to be... one of his losses is to Jamie Pickett. So it's like, you know, give him credit for that. Fair. But I uh, know I really, I do like him over Romero here. Yeah, and I also think uh, Ribeiro, it's Ribeiro, for the record. Not Romero, you fucking racist. Ribeiro. <laughs> Claudio oh, Ribeiro. Oh, shit, I'm the racist. Uh, oh, no. Um, ben, styles make fights. Uh, if you're trying to bounce back from a bad submission loss, 
and you're coming up against a guy who's going to fight your style of fight, uh, your confidence is high, right? Even though you're coming off a loss, so is the other guy. Everybody's hungry. Uh, is that like, as a professional, would you want, no, I want my chance again against another jiu-jitsu guy. I went and filled in this hole in my game. Or are you like, I need to get back on track. I got to fight a guy that's more my style. Now you got to get your confidence back, man, especially having such a, uh, a back and forth entrance into the big show. Um, seven and one uh, as an MMA career, great. Um, but once you make it into the UFC, that's when people really start paying attention to your wins and losses. Nobody knows who these guys are that he's fighting beforehand. Fair. Um, I, I assume I haven't looked into his record. Um, that being said, he seems like the more well-rounded fighter. Uh, Ribeiro is a, is a tough guy, very, very uh, heavy striker. Um, but I, I think uh, this is Holmes's opportunity to kind of pull it out of the fire here and uh, get things back on track. I mean, let's hope so for his sake. Let me ask you a meta question, because I think it's always fun to ask you a meta fighting question. And Matt, I, I would actually be interested in hearing your thoughts on this too. When you get to the UFC, right? Obviously, it's the pinnacle promotion. Everybody in this sport understands that it's the pinnacle promotion. But you've moved up before. You've moved up in competition before. You've 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 fought in higher and higher promotions. I would assume most of the time on your on your way up. Is there a quality, an intangible quality in a in a fighting athlete that makes them better when the lights turn on, or is that just you know they can go somewhere else in their head? Like it, it, the, the big show and getting to this place sometimes makes guys better, you know, and sometimes completely shuts them down. So like, can you put your finger on what gene that is on, on what, on what quality that is? Can you recognize it in guys when you're, when they're coming up and or, or in training or something, or is it just an intangible you can't figure out? Uh, well, I think to your point, there is absolutely a psychological aspect that some people have and some people don't. Can you um, teach it to I've, yourself? Can you can you beat your brain? Um, so I think we've seen. So you know, it's anecdotal at, at best. Um, I, I think we've heard from people like Anderson Silva who have struggled in the. Anderson Silva had some of the worst nerves uh, of any fighter I've ever heard of. Right. Same with Tito Ortiz. He used to throw up all the time, but went to a sports psychologist, uh, and he was able to get himself on track. That being said, I think it's very hard to pinpoint coming up because. Uh, you have so many guys who who can get on a streak and just feel like they are unbeatable. But uh, there's a production quality to the UFC, and uh, and when I've been there live, not fighting in the UFC, but when I've been there live at the show, um, man, it's it's unlike any other promotion I've been to. And you know that this is it. That the UFC still holds that monopoly on the best mixed martial artists in the world. And that can get in your head. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Matt, I mean, you're a big game player, you know, like I, I, you're, you're a trial lawyer, you know, you, you always tell me you get better when the spotlight's on. What, what is that? Like, what is that thing that you can tap into and it, can you recognize it in other people? Absolutely. Oh, you can definitely recognize it in other people. Some people shrink. Uh, some people can't handle the nerves. Some people are, are so afraid of failure that they just can't rise to the occasion. And, uh, some people just thrive in that chaos and that those moments of you know you feel the butterflies you're scared your voice is shaking but you know what you have to do and you go and do it well and i think with the ufc we see a lot of people in these early prelim fights that can't rise to the occasion they see the bright lights it gets to them and it kills them and yeah you know cream floats to the top yeah uh ben what was your what were your nerves like before fights were you nervous? Were you? Um, you once told me that like once the cage door closes, it always went away. Is that was that always true? During the walkout, it went away. 
Um, yeah. So on, honestly, early on, um, I had terrible, terrible nerves. I remember um, pulling up to some promotions. I remember the drive down to for my first ever uh, like actual competition in Akron, Ohio. Um, that drive was it, it was a long drive anyway. We left at like five a.m. That drive was, felt oh my god. I was terrified going down there. And I didn't sleep the whole night before. Um, first ever MMA fight. I I was terrified for weeks. I, I, I like really got into meditation because of how, uh, how nervous I was in, in realizing that I had to really figure out a way to calm myself down. Um, that being said, even in that situation, like there was so much like kickboxing aside, the, the, the settings were so different. But my first ever, I mean, may fight you guys remember being there at the strip club. Um, man, that setting was, we have to talk about the strip club fight once per episode. <laughs> yeah. There, there was, uh, there was, but you beat it, the shit was, out of that guy. <laughs> and well, yeah, I, I think, I think it was, it was fairly back and forth. I did, I did, I did end up winning, but he, uh, but when I remember being very nervous, being nervous at weigh-ins too, because the guy, like he was, he was much older than me, not friendly. Um, and I was like, okay, fine. This is just gonna, we're just gonna make this a street fight. I've been here before. Um, and then when my name got called, uh, because he was like talking shit leading up to the whole thing. He was, I, I just, remember, yes. Yeah. Oh man, I was just, but ready. then he I wanted was, to be your best friend by the start of the third round. Yeah. Yeah, man. It, that was, that was something because I, I, he honestly helped me with my nerves because he got me so angry. Um, I was nervous and I was like, oh man, like this is a competition, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, but he made me feel like, no, I've been here before. This is a street fight. We're just going to get it. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, when the uh, when when my name got called, I remember walking up and staring into the cage at him as I was walking up to it, and I could see his eyes were wide. And I was like, "Oh man, you're not the person that you said you were. Let's do it." <laughs> I see into your soul. Um, if yeah. anybody uh, if anybody wants to try and relate to it, the only thing I can really imagine to try to get yourself into a place where you can understand what you're talking about is like the fight after school, you know. If in first period you find out you got to fight right after school, you're thinking about that shit all day. Times that by a fucking billion. When <laughs> everyone, not your old school is going to be watching, everyone's going to be watching. You're going to be locked in a cage with a man that's trying to kill you. Um, and you know, there's a few questions I want to ask later when we get to some other fights uh, that I'm interested in. But um, on that note, and I think both these first two early prelims have this theme. Uh, Zuma Gulov. Uh, a guy I was pretty hot on when he came into the UFC. He's wanted five, I think, on, on a skid. Um, I think he's a good fighter, and and his his fighting style works usually in this uh, in this sport in the in how it's kind of constituted and presented in the UFC. Um, I, I, I he's one of those guys I keep wanting to bet on him every time I see him, and I keep fucking losing money. If you're going on, Matt, I'll start with you on this one from from a gambling perspective. You're you're gonna ride the hot hand on the favorite here because uh, Estevam is is riding a win streak. Zumagulov in my head should be the better fighter, but he's riding a fucking losing streak. And I, but I, at the same time, back against the wall, like he's probably gonna get cut if he loses this fight. I I would imagine. I don't think you can lose six fights and win one in a Dana White regime and have any sort of hope of staying in the promotion. Maybe you go like a tune up somewhere else, but. I, I, yeah, I still want to bet the underdog on this, but maybe I'm just, I'm, am I chasing shadows? I'm, no, I'm totally with you. What it boils down to for me is that the challenger has had one, technically one UFC fight. It's a contender series fight. And I just, you know, when I'm this close on the fence, 
I don't bet against people from Kazakhstan because it's a hard life, man. He's lived a hard life. I, you're right. He's been on a skid. He lost a couple bad decisions, but I've been riding with him too, and I'm going to keep riding with him on this one. I'll say this on the Styles Make Fights front. He really gets finished, and this other dude finishes people, and he is dominant. But a big theme of the last few weeks, and especially sucks when you bet on the guy that isn't getting the guy out of there, and something I've been talking about for, for weeks and weeks, the, the killer instinct, uh, the ability to get guys out of there when you hurt them is so few and far between, I think, these days in the UFC. And I think I've, I've, de- I've developed my theory as to why. I think everybody's getting better across the board. I think a rising tide lifts all boats. I think everybody's getting better, and I think it's harder to put guys away. I think that in the days of Mirko Krokop fucking head-kicking dudes into the netherworld, I think there were guys leaning into his fucking head kicks. I think there's more tape. I think there's more uh, more defensive um, coaching, elite defensive coaching out there. I think that defense is extremely difficult in mixed martial arts because of the size of the gloves um, and the different ways that people have and abilities to, to, to attack you and destroy you. Um, but at the same time, it's fucking annoying me. Like, get, get guys out of there, you know? The, I'll, I'll point to one specific thing that happens all the time. Tell me if you guys notice this. It's the, I rocked him. He's gone up against the cage. I fucking rocked him. So let me shoot. Let me shoot for a takedown right now. It's like, what are you doing? Like, tee off, buddy. You know? And it's like, I get it. You're going into your comfort zone. It's like, this is my, you know, it's an instinct and it is a fight. But Ben, um, in the in the times where you've had the opportunity to put guys away, where you've seen them get hurt, is it, uh, like, I know you as a person, you know? Like, deep down at, at your absolute core, you're a big old softy. Just but, a big you gotta have there. a fucking you gotta have a killer instinct in there, right? So it, it like okay, you hit somebody, you've rocked them. How do you get into a place where you're you're cold, you're calm, you're putting them away? You don't get overexcited, you don't get uh you don't get uh sort of um, lulled into a into a, a false sense of security because you're like, oh, I got him, he's done. Like you've seen all, all ends of the spectrum in the sport. Like what what's the right thing to do on paper? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Man, I think it really comes down to how well conditioned you are to be putting guys away in training. Um, because well, you're not supposed in, to, I thought. I thought you weren't supposed to hurt your opponents. So you yeah, can't practice it, right? Well, well, yeah, but but you so that that's a fair point. However, there there there's a difference in pad men, there's a difference in sparring partners, et cetera, where and this is maybe why you shouldn't be doing hard sparring more than a couple times a week because you do need to be really putting it on and, and find and finding ways to find openings Risk of and attack. Yeah, and, uh, and you've got to be able to jump on guys when you do that. Yeah, injury is another thing, but that's that's a whole other ball game. But as far as conditioning for for a fight, um, you've got to be you've got to be visualizing every time you hit pads when you do pad work on the ground when you're grappling. The entire point is to get to a position where you can hurt the person. And we've kind of gotten to this. And, and this is actually something that I, that I posted on Instagram not too long ago. And I got a bunch of backlash for us arguing for it, arguing with a bunch of people. Like, 
um, when they talk about flow rolling in jujitsu. And I said, flow rolling's for cowards. That's not what I do when I do jujitsu. <laughs> and when, like, whenever, whenever I go to grapple with any of these guys at, at the dojo or wherever, I'm, I'm going there to try to submit you. Like right. I, I, it is what it is. I'll let go. I'm not going to break your arm, but, uh, I'm not trying to gain position and hold you there and let you work and this and that I'm there to work. I, I want to be, I want to be beating. Well, that, you. I, I think, be but I mean, I would imagine, and you know, obviously I don't have nearly the level of martial arts experience that you do, but I would imagine that you just got to put guys with you that are on your level. You know, I mean, that's it. Like then everybody can get better. Well, yeah, ab absolutely. Like, like iron sharpens iron. Cliche yeah. as it is, like you need you need to be dealing with guys who are dangerous at all times because you have to be constantly pushing for the finish. And um, and the conditioning aspect comes back in when guys are are punching, 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 and then they are uh, shooting for takedowns to go for their uh, for their comfort zone. Man, that's now just turn up the barrage even one more on the dial, and you could, could probably get a stoppage even if you haven't knocked them out. But you should be this. Th th this is kind of a thing that so many people go back and forth on the sport uh, about, and and I know this problem has happened in boxing. Um, the the point is to inflict the most damage. You right. are scored that way by the judges. They are looking for you to inflict the most damage on the other person, and that is the way that you should be training to inflict the most damage. To to move forward and try to hurt somebody with every punch that you throw. Or every couple strikes, you're setting up a way to hurt somebody the same way that you grapple. You should be advancing position to try to hurt this person. That is what it is. You do want to stop at the last second, hopefully not. Um, but, you know, this, this is the game. You know, they've signed the contract. You've signed the contract. Um, I get it, but you've got to put it on a man. No uh, friends you're in both, this game. You're, no you're both friends in, in this the same game. Time. Yeah. Um, Matt, do you think you lose your killer instinct as you get older? You, you think, you think there's guys in their, in their early twenties that are better off, uh, more likely to put guys away. Cause like, I feel like I've gotten softer as I've gotten older. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. No, I just feel like I've never had it in me to hit somebody that's, that's, you know, hurt. Uh, you know, that's just not, I'm not an MMA fighter. I'll never be an MMA fighter because I'd never want to hurt somebody that bad or hit them when they're hurt. You know what I mean? Some people just don't have it in them. This is a combat sport these people have agreed to this and i think you know as much as he's annoying jorge masvidal said it perfectly after he knocked out Askren because he came and hit him three more times afterwards and they asked him like, why super are you necessary why are you doing it? he goes it is super necessary that's my job i'm in there to win this fight and as stupid as it is that the sport scored on the boxing 10 point scale ben's yeah. right the first thing that gets scored is damage right It'll hurt him i mean that was a fucking stupid question that they asked Jorge Masvidal, to be honest. Like, if you're an experienced MMA journalist, you shouldn't be asking the question, was it necessary to hit him more times? The risk of him, the referee fucking up, him not being fully out, it, the risk to your career if you don't put him away is crazy. You know, you can't have that. So you know, people, you know, I think it is. I think I think people remember Muhammad Ali watching Foreman fall to the ground and not sending him that last shot, watching him come down. This is not boxing. This is right. not a dance. We're not just throwing punches and scoring points. It's hurt the other person. Show blood. Show damage. Yeah. That's the game. And honestly, uh, a great example was last weekend on the fact that MMA, in, in its current rule set, isn't even the most brutal representation of, of a combat sport. Right. I fucking bare knuckle stuff. I, I watch, I've watched a few of them. I watched Chad Mendez and Eddie Alvarez fight. It was entertaining. It was I watched fucking fight. Mike Perry and, and Luke Rockhold. 
it's too gross for me. Honestly, it's too much, man. I there's a reason that gloves exist. A to protect your hands. You're you're not gonna have any longevity in that fucking sport with with by bare knuckle fighting. Secondly, Luke Rockhold's. I mean, in that in that situation, he looks like a bitch. But it's like he's not a bitch. He's a fucking cage fighter. He's a professional cage fighter. He's been fighting in in combat sports his entire life. He's not a pussy. He's not. But he got hit in the teeth. He t- cracked his teeth. He was like, "I'm fucking done, dude." Like that got to suck pretty bad. You know? I, you know, yeah. I agree with you completely. I, I love the UFC and I have a lot of friends that don't watch any sort of fighting because they don't appreciate violent sports that don't have a goal other than violence. But man, bare knuckle boxing is just, it's one bridge too far for me. That right. Alvarez Mendez fight was unbelievable. It was so much fun to watch, but I just, uh, it's a, it's, it's just one step too far. I mean, I, I'd be really interested in data on bare knuckle at some point in the future. I'm sure they don't have it now, but with the, because the soft tissue damage is right, is in your face. Obviously, it's so grotesque. Like it's so much right. easier to cut somebody. Like it's essentially you're hitting somebody with eight tiny elbows all the time yeah. because it's like bone. How do you mainstream that though? It's so yeah. gross. But I, but Ben, I agree with Ben. Like what is the subconcussive? result of that well right because isn't isn't it true that like boxing is worse for that than mma because like you get hit with like a you know you don't go out like you don't get to the point of that uh defense your body it's your body defending you when it goes unconscious it's your it's it's a it's a it's a thing going like we're done here like you got to go to sleep so we can protect your brain you get hit so many more times in the fucking head in boxing with by guys who are only trained to specialize in that one thing of punching you in the fucking head um and yeah, I would imagine, like like you said, the subconcussive stuff. Look at all the CT research in football. I would probably rather have my kid learn how to fight and compete in mixed martial arts now than play football. You know, American well, football. Man, at, because at how, how many hours is a football game of, right. well, of set back up, hit the other person with your head. Set right. back up, hit the other person with your head. It's not good. It's, it's not fucking good. And at least the, those MMA gloves are, are sort of perfect where it's like, like you said, the soft tissue damage small is is reduced from a bare knuckle but at least if you hit a guy in the right spot he goes out and you're not hitting him again and again and again and again yeah unless you know unless the referee's slow um <laughs> all right uh that was a good talk uh haas aliskarov aliskarov um i like phil haas i'm taking another another little bit of uh, underdog uh points here this is what i was talking about at least on the pre-prelims there's a lot of underdog value um i think uh, it's another example with this Aliskarov guy where he was unbeaten and he was doing really good and bang, like he gets knocked out. Then he comes back and he does like, he, he kind of builds and builds and builds again. He's a scary guy. I wouldn't want to fight him. But again, I, I like Phil Hawes. I mean, he's dropping down the cards uh, as, as we sort of watch it. Um, but I like his, I like his style. Um, and I think He's fought better opponents if you look at his resume. So, Matt, what do you think? Where's your money going? Me and you are split on this one. I'm going to go with Liskarov. I'm just going to give this one to the Russian. Every time Phil Haas faces somebody that's Matt bets Russians. Win. That's his. That's he's like I bet nah, Russians. Matt. I listen, he learned that lesson these, the hard way. These Dagestan guys have cost me enough money. All right, I'm going with Liskarov. Haas, you know his knockout versus Chris Curtis, who's obviously an elite fighter, was. He's fought really him. He's fought elite say like he's fought good guys. No, he has fought good guys. I just you know, I'm gonna give this one to the Russian. He just it just smells like a Russian kind of fight here. Ben, who you got? 
Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to go with uh, with uh, Aliskarov on this one as well. Phil Dawes, a uh, super exciting guy, incredibly athletic. Goes balls to the wall when he starts out. I mean, it's his fun. His only recent win, though, is against Darren Wynn, who is... Sucks all bad. I think maybe I'm bad. stuck in that. I'm stuck in that first rise when he came into to the UFC and he won like four, three or four straight middleweight. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this guy's good. He's a contender. And then all of a sudden he just sort of faded, um, which is, I guess, a thing that happens. I mean, it's not that thing we've been talking about, which is you're intimidated by the lights of the UFC. It's more like you plateau, I guess. Right. Or, right. or you're well, given no, you, better fighters and something I think happens. you hit your limit. I think you yeah. literally, some guys just have a limit yeah. of where the talent overshadows them. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, I, I'm not sure how old is Phil. Um, I, uh, he's gotta be 30. 30? He's 34. He's 34. 34. I, I mean, father time comes and beats your ass at, you know, he'll show up at your door at, at different times for different guys, but he always does. And he always wins. you know, yeah. like, like, some people do have a limit, absolutely. And, and you know, they, they will just, you know, burn out. They don't have it anymore. They don't, they, their body isn't producing uh, testosterone the same way. They're not able to physiologically keep up with the competition. Um, and, uh, and, and you can get in your head after a few losses, man, and think that you just don't have it anymore. You won't come back. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I don't actually it. think it's, I don't think it's actually any more complicated than the fact that I, I I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to go with you guys because I just realized Aliskarov has a beard and no mustache. So right. I, there's just no way to beat a guy with a beard and no mustache Dude. in a certain part of the world. It's, it's the way to do it. I mean, I think Alexander Volkanovsky did, but they didn't give him the dub. So, um, okay. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I, I, I like Phil Hawes. I think there was a sentimental part of me that's, uh, that enjoyed his time coming into the UFC. But now that I've listened to, Two professionals talk about it. I think you're right. I've changed my mind. I'm not going to advise anybody to bet on Phil Hussey. He's almost certainly going to lose. Okay. Um, Braxton Smith, Parker Porter. Uh, Parker Porter does not sound like the name of somebody who is a professional fighter. He sounds like the guy who is teaching you how to ski and fucks your wife when you go back to the lodge. I <laughs> can't believe a guy named Parker is going out there to f- have a professional fist fight. He's got almost a 500 record. He's 13 and eight. Um, he he doesn't look like his name, which I hate. I like prefer when people look like their names. It makes me more comfortable, and and it, it it's I'm less likely to fly into a confused rage. But uh, Braxton Smith's five and one, and he looks he's 33. Parker Porter's 30 fucking eight. Uh, and Braxton Smith looks like a guy that if I saw him at a bar, I probably wouldn't. I, if I saw both these guys at a bar, I probably would have to pick. Parker Porter to fight. A, if I learned his name was Parker again. But you can't bet on these heavyweight fights of guys that are fucking bums, guys. I can't stress this enough. Do not put your money on heavyweight fighters that are not elite in any way. They, anything could happen. Anything could happen. This is roulette, okay? I do think Braxton Smith is going to win, but this is fucking roulette, okay? Uh, Parker Porter is the favorite, so there might be some um, value in his experience, but uh, is anything I'm saying uh, wrong, Matt, or am I crazy? Am I, am no, I set in my right. ways? You're absolutely right. It's roulette, and I'm going with Parker Porter because he just looks <laughs> scary. What? He just looks scary. I just wouldn't want to, if, if you know, I bumped into somebody in a bar and knocked their beer over and he turned around, I'd be like, Oh, you think no. Parker Porter looks more scary? The I think he looks more scary with the stupid tattoos. He looks so, like an no. old-timey circus strongman. What do you mean? Exactly. That's terrifying. What are you talking about? <laughs> Matt thinks it's Nightmare Alley. All right. I mean, fair <laughs> enough. But it's like it's going to be one of those fights that's great because what I he's also from Hartford, Connecticut, and I you know we know New England. Oh fighters. damn it! Um, but 
it is one of those fights where like you're you're not quite paying attention. You know, you've had a couple of beers. The early prelims have started. And then you go like I like what I always do is I go like Leah, Leah, heavyweights. It's going to be over <laughs> fast. Neither of these guys are good. Somebody's going to get knocked out because that's the truth. At the top of the heavyweight division, if DC's fighting Stipe or or John Jones is fighting Cyril Gaon, I mean, that actually did end in like very quick time. But yeah, there's defense, there's this, there's that, there's I know this guy's thing, I've seen his tape. But at this level, somebody's getting clipped. <laughs> that's that's why you put these like feeder, you know feeder fights on there. Um, ben, yeah, you ever felt- this, though, Now that I know that he's fighting out of Connecticut, I'm definitely betting on Parker Poor. I'm going to be in Connecticut watching this fight with your brother. Yeah, that's cool. Um, that's fun. Uh, what I <laughs> great. Um, I'm not what I'm fine. Um, <laughs> um, okay, fine. Ben, uh, you've probably rolled and, and sparred with heavyweights. What's the what's the power differential? So, I mean, you you for the for the listeners at home. I remember you starting out at like 155 around was your was your weight class, which was like really light for you. I feel like yeah, uh, I remember for MMA, down yeah, I was fighting at 155. Once. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, towards your, the later part of your career, I remember there was like, well, there was 165. There was like, there was, there was heavier and heavier weights. You, at, at your current weight, if you have, were getting off the couch right now, would you be fine at heavyweight? 205 uh, yes, plus? I was, well, if I didn't cut any weight, yes. Uh, um, would you cut to light the, heavyweight right now? Would that be your yeah, best? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably be light heavyweight because I'm about 215 right now. So that'd be a 10. Oh, okay. 10 yeah, you'd want to cut down to because a lot of those fuckers are like 260. Um, but- Honestly, just getting in shape, I probably would would drop weight. But yeah. to answer your question about man, heavyweights are just dangerous people. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and they don't even mean to be. Right. Um. Like I, I don't like. I'm. I would go with Braxton Smith on this one for that purpose because, as far as heavyweights go, um, he has the thing that, that you know that that ends most heavyweight fights, and right. he's so good at it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I think it's going to be hard to deny that. But man, I, I remember our, uh, I, I was training with this guy, Sean Gannon, RIP. Um, I'm not sure if you guys remember Sean Gannon, but uh, man, that guy is a legend in Boston mixed martial arts. He fought in the UFC a couple of times. The first and only man to beat Kimbo. Um, Whoa, in a fight. really? That's cool. Yeah, you yeah. Him? That's cool. Yeah, you, he used you to train out of White Crow. Um, and uh Gannon he, sounds like the name of somebody who should be a professional heavyweight fighter. This is what I'm talking about, about looking like your fucking name. Okay, get with it, guys. Yeah, and uh, and you know it's so funny. It, all these heavyweights I've ever been around, they all have that same huge pit bull head. Yeah. Um, G- Gabriel Gonzaga. I went and I held pads for Gabe Gonzaga in Ludlow in 2014, mm. and uh, I'd been training for a long time at that point. Obviously, kicked my kicked the tie pad into my face. Despite me putting on my weight, like, and and that had never happened before, and I was. Aren't shocked. you really good at holding pads? I thought you were really yeah, good yeah. at holding pads. What happened? Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I, just, I just couldn't believe that that happened. I'd never felt anybody do something like that before. Sean Sean Gannon, another guy with an absolutely enormous head, and I remember we we were we were rolling. Um, so this was when I was. Um, He's, got He's got the head. He's got the head. We got to get him in, in, there. in the light of head, dude. They, Gabriel Gonzaga has an enormous head. Sean Gannon had an enormous head, like a pit bull head. And uh, we were rolling and he just swept me and threw me. And he was like, oh, sorry, let's start again. I think that one was cheap. And I was like, oh, that wasn't cheap. It's just going to suck. And then he did the exact <laughs> same fucking thing again. And I was like, oh, God, it's 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 crazy. Gra- like doing any grappling, striking anything with a person who is 
skilled in 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 a heavyweight because I spar. I remember down at CGR, I sparred with some. Well, if less some random dude, I, it wouldn't matter what they weighed, right? If somebody, if some random dude walked in off the street and tried to fight you, like there's no there's no weight that's going to affect your levels of training, right? Like it's, yeah, yeah. it's at, at there's no point, equalizer yeah. in weight, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, and it, I was just, it so wouldn't much be quicker fair because you're not in my weight class. <laughs> I remember when Ben taught, I remember the night that Ben taught that lesson to a friend of ours who fancied himself a very skilled street fighter. He probably was 275 at that point And Ben ankle picked him and it was, uh, it, it, was, it was a really short, short fight. Who? A friend of ours. I, I you know, we don't need to put his oh. name on here. Keep Blood on. bonfires. You in the yeah, fucking mafia? It. <laughs> Got it. House arrest, you know? Yeah, yeah. I do yeah, remember yeah. that. Yeah. I do remember you ankle picking him. Um, that but, was funny. He's a good fighter, are... too, but, you know, training. Yeah. Training's a thing. Um, Virna Jandaroba is a very scary looking lady. Yeah, she's scary, huh? <laughs> she's got scary zombie face, and I don't like it. I uh, I think for that reason, you should bet on her. <laughs> like, I'm not sure how good she is, but she looks like a scary monster. She looks scary. Yeah, she's got like kind of one. She's got dead shark eyes, first of all, which I always was taught growing up that if you see somebody in a bar that wants to fight you and they have those dead shark eyes, you got to get yourself out of there because they might bottle you. Um, she's got that. She's Brazilian. She's good. She's only lost three fights, but Marina Rodriguez, who she's fighting, has only lost two. It reminds me of the Prince Goro analogy that we use all the time on this show. I just think it's like you got you can't fight a supernatural being. Um, that's just I, I, I don't go with my word on this. I, I'm doing absolutely no technical research on the idea of this fight. I just think one looks scarier than the other. Matt, what do you think? I'm gonna go with so I'm kind of embarrassed because I really don't remember watching either of these two girls fight i've definitely seen this scary looking lady before i've Have definitely you? seen it. she kind of looks like the female version of that kid kira we went to high school with but like yeah, with, yeah. De- with deader eyes with de- <laughs> de- deader eyes. <laughs> just i just when you started saying all this i had to look her up and i was like that girl looks like kira <laughs> i don't know if that means like she looks like him or he just looked you know i don't know i mean he wasn't a good looking guy but i <laughs> i think uh yeah he she does a little so I'm I was sure gonna say well. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on the pretty one, but then I clicked on the other picture, and that's I mean that's not much better. So I'm I'm gonna roll with you. I'm going with Frankenstein. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> let's neat. just let's just skip this one before we get this whole fucking thing camp. Yeah. And uh, let's say the scary one's gonna win. Yeah. By the, the way, one. Virna. By the way, wood. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you don't know. You don't know. You know. I mean, if you're out, if you're lost at sea for a long time. Yeah, not everybody gets trapped on a oh, fucking. No, no, no. Uh, I'm talking primetime Friday night wood. <laughs> there we go, buddy. There we go. Oh my god. Um. Okay. Callan Williams is fighting Rolando Bedoya. Uh, Bedoya. I can't bet on a guy with a name like that. And also, he's a plus two fifty favorite uh, uh, underdog. Um, Chaos Williams, uh, as he's known. Anybody with a nickname that is that becomes synonymous with their first name, uh, and it's Chaos. Uh, he's an agent of it, spells it with a K. I'm not going to take up, I'm not going to have any bones to pick with him about that. I think he's a good fighter. Um, he's four and two in the promotion. Um, he's been impressive. Uh, he's got, he's knocked out Alex Morono. He was a good fighter. He knocked out, um, Al Hassan, who's a good fighter. He locked, he knocked out, uh, Bieza, who's a good fighter. Um, he has lost a couple tough decisions, which I, I don't think you can really hold against a guy. Split decisions are, Split decisions are like, we're not going to call a fucking draw, right? Like, I mean, it's you you can just you can go on a bad run of luck with that. Um, I mean, judges in this sport are fucking terrible, but I, I do think this does apply to this guy. 
Um, tell me, is there any route to Bedoya winning this fight? There's, there's no value in this underdog bet. Oh no, chaos is gonna kill this kid. He first of all, I don't know if you remember this, but at the time we really thought he beat Randy Brown yes. in his last fight. Yes, um, yeah. I, I, I really think he's gonna tee off on this kid. I don't see any. I, there's no value in it. I'm not gonna bet it. Might put it as part of a parlay. But yeah, it could be a good parlay. Yeah, it could. Um. Bank he's a good striker. Here. He strikes a lot, and he's got great takedown defense. You know, you don't need to learn how to be good on the ground if nobody can get you there. Um, 75% takedown defense, very good for the amount of fights he's had. Um, you know, another meta question for you, Ben. If you you were a good you were a great striker, right? Like you you wanted to operate on the feet for the most part. Uh especially I wasn't since, I wasn't I wasn't at first. Right. But you're but like the thing that you practiced the most was striking, and the thing you ended up doing was Thai boxing, right? And naturally he was a better he was amazing at Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. He didn't right. want to do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. He wanted to strike, so he worked hard at it. Yeah. And I you know what I think that's bones. I think that's <laughs> I think that's true in life. I think that I've seen this example, uh this I've seen examples of this all through my life. If you're naturally good at something, you feel like you don't need to work at it. Uh it's just it's just human nature. If you're not good at something and you want to be, you gotta work really fucking hard to get it. So I think your ceiling might be a little bit higher. But my question is, if you are uncomfortable on the ground, and I know you were never truly uncomfortable on the ground, but if you are uncomfortable on the ground and you have yourself two options, you can learn to, you can spend your time learning how to not get put down there, or you can spend your time learning how to defend yourself once you are or get back up, right? Is that, am I, am I correct when I say that? Or is there more nuance to it? No, no, I think, I, I think you're right there. I think you learn how to uh, stall for the most part and to stall any movement forward from your opponent and and look how to game the cage that you're in so you're in a cage you learn how to wall walk you learn how to defend specifically for the cage which would be different for how you defend when you're fighting in a ring how you're fighting in a street so on and so forth the where where you put your hips the direction you turn your feet in um you you figure out all that stuff and move towards the anti-wrestling aspect of grappling which is how do you break break grips and how do you create space yeah um yeah matt do you <laughs> shut up matt do you uh matt do you do, are, are you afraid to bet on guys that don't want to go on the ground though no I'm no not i mean it's because it, it's like if you come up against a really elite grappler it seems there's that, that those guys really always have the other guy's number right you know they can always seem to swallow guys up when they when they get to the when they finally fight the guy that's elite you know that's really that like elite wrestling you're, you're eventually going to lose that bet right because right. Fights fall. I mean, gravity's on your side. You, right. Every fucking school fight you ever saw ended up on the ground because it just happens. Like you like lose your balance. There's an advantage to it. They do start standing, but you got to get a lot done before somebody tries to take you down. Is does it? Do you get scared betting on guys like that? What do you think? So I think when that is the case, it's somebody that's you know going to be the elite wrestler going through. The UFC markets them more heavily because Dana White has over the past thirty years made it very clear to fighters that are hungry. Throw your punches, throw the hands, let's see the blood. So even when fighters are wrestling-oriented, the UFC rewards them more for standing on their feet. And that's what you see with a lot of no, no-name no fighters, that they want to stand and bang and show that they're multifaceted. Unless then they can see, just get guys out of there right away with their grappling. Right, like, right? like the Kamzat, like, like uh, or the uh, Bo Nickel. nickel or, yeah, right. Exactly, exactly. If they're at that level, yeah. So this kid, I expect him to try and stand and bang until he gets hurt. Then he's going to shoot. And what happens then once he's hurt, we'll see what happens. I would say just as one thing, uh, Bedoya's only ever lost one fight. So there is a blind confidence factor in here. 
So be just, be, you know, bet at your own peril um, as far as like anchoring any sort of parlay. I do think Chaos Williams has this, though, and I, I think we're all on the same page there. Um, Unchukwu versus Clark. Uh, I'm leaning towards the Clark, <laughs> to be honest with you, because I, I, he gives me a lot of confidence with his name. Um, no, I, I actually don't think so. I think Unchukwu is going to win this. Um, I think uh, it's four out of the last six opponents he's knocked out. This guy puts he puts guys away. Um, he's got knockout power. Um, it's very uncomfortable betting against knockout power because you're just way, even if your your guy is more skilled, um, he might just get Prince Gorod, you know. And I just think it's just it's just scary. I don't like to be in that situation. It's like betting um, the the fight will go the distance. It's like ah, ah I don't get finished. Ah, I don't get finished. And it's just you know it's not a pleasant place to be. And I do let that uh, kind of guide my bets sometimes because I'm trying to have fun. Um, but this is actually a pretty even fight. I, I I think that there's there's things to be said about both guys here. Um, Clark's not very consistent. He has lost three of his last five. <laughs> he got TKO'd recently. That's going to fuck your confidence up. Um, ben, I do like to mention on every show that you never got knocked out, uh, which is a, a, a good feather in your cap, a good arrow in your quiver. But um, Still waiting. Ever, yeah, what's it? Sorry? Still waiting. Still waiting. <laughs> uh, I got one coming for you. But... Here's the thing. Uh, you can't speak to this from experience, but I'm sure you've that you've uh, you know dealt with your friends and your sparring partners and stuff. Um, how much does a does a knockout, uh, even a TKO, change change these fighters when it happens to them for the first time? Uh, it'll. It, 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 it's so, like I don't you know, know, bro. It's never fucking happened to me. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I've, tra- I've, tra- I've trained with some guys who were absolute killers and um, who were. Who, who would go into fights kind of expecting to walk through people. Everybody expected him to walk through them. And um, for for example, um, Marquise, who I used to train with uh, in Worcester, um, he, was, uh, he was an animal. He was so, so, so strong for his weight, had natural knockout power, despite really never having to, tr- to box or do anything like that. It just came naturally to him. Um, but he never put in enough time... Uh, with his grappling defense. And um, we fought together, uh, what was this, 2009, 2010. And um, he had walked through his first couple of opponents and he started fighting this guy who was able to just weather the early storm, which is yeah. something, you know, that as you get more experience, that's what you do. You weather the early storm on, on a guy like Marquise. And uh, um, he, uh, he started beating the guy up, picked him up, like what's through the like the like girlfriend legs through like hand through their legs thing and uh and dumped him on his head and we, uh, we keep it technical ki- here on check my oil <laughs> <laughs> the uh the uh um i can't remember what the opponent's name was but he uh he just stayed calm he he turtled he um advanced position turned around and then passed guard on marquise and knocked him out from that and marquise never came back oh um that That's like a uh story. yeah i i mean um it, it is unfortunate, but a knockout to to the point that we are making here changes you. Yeah. Uh, it is such an uncomfortable thing. And once you realize, because even with submission, with submissions, you're still in control of it. You can say, I, I'm done. Or you can say, fuck it, do it. Yeah. And I know what's going to happen. But with a knockout, a knockout it's entirely, it's mm-hmm. out of your control. And once you realize that your body isn't in your control like that, and you're going into a situation where somebody has the opportunity to do that to you again. Um, I think that makes or breaks a lot of people. Yeah. I think, I mean, when, even in re- even in the, the real world, uh, you know, growing up, 
the first time you take a beating, man, I mean, it is, it is something to process, you know? I mean, even if you're in a situation where it wasn't fair or, you know, you got fucking surprised or whatever it is, like it is something that you have to process because the human brain is built to keep you safe and keep you alive. And when something like that happens, your brain is screaming at you not to put yourself in that situation again. Like there's deep, deep DNA and and years and years of, of human evolution telling you not to do that. And it's probably right. Um, Matt, as far as Nchuku and Clark go, I think the reason this this fight is is more even is because they both kind of suck. They're a little inconsistent, but Clark's been knocked out six fucking times. And Nchuku knocks guys out, right? Like, this isn't... We don't need to overthink this, right? No, you don't need to overthink. I wouldn't be... like. Would you bet the knockout? Clark wins, I, I wouldn't bet the knockout. If I'm betting I, this... Method of fucking victory win. fucks me, dude. I can't. You always go bet the victory. It's I don't crazy. know. I get, I get greedy. You say you're not going to do it, and then the whole time you're like, oh, I lost that one because I bet. So, I know. What are you doing? <laughs> I know. I would not be shocked if Clark won this fight, but I'm, I'd bet Njoku. Okay. Um, I think Drew Dober is a douche. And uh, and I, I and love I'm, him. Yeah, I bet you Dude, do. The, I love the him. The crimson chin. chin. Look at that guy. <laughs> Is that what they call? I never heard that. No, I don't know. He's a good looking cat. He's a good looking cat. And I need someone to tell him about that haircut that hasn't been cool in a good like four and a half years. He looks like a fucking SS guard. I feel like we just brought him up on trial at Nuremberg. And he's just telling us that he was just following, following orders. I can't with this fucking dude. All right. He looks like one of Hans Gruber's men. And I just, it, it drives me fucking bananas every time he walks into the octagon. Listen, he's attractive. Okay. Maybe I have some latent homosexual feelings towards him. I don't <laughs> know. I don't know. But I know that I don't like when he opens his fucking mouth and I don't like when he talks. And I know he's going to win this fight. So I'm a little annoyed. Uh, definitely going to win this fight. Speak to it. He's definitely going to win this fight. That kid, and you know, it's funny. He has a hell of a chin, both in the real world and in the fight world. He's he's great gonna dick too. I hear. Well, what? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Um, these they two made guys, it in. If 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 you're a casual MMA fan, um, you should really tune in for this fight because these two dudes are going to stand in the pocket and bang it out, and it's going to be awesome. Andrew Dober just he's just got a strong chin. I think he's going to knock him out flat. Um, yeah, I mean, fair enough. Uh, Ben, is there, is there an advantage to standing in the pocket if you're the tougher guy, the better puncher, or is that just always a stupid thing to do? No, I, I mean, that, that pressure is inevitably what makes everybody uncomfortable. If you, one of the biggest pumps in a game is getting used to dealing with pressure and somebody trying to put you on the back foot. Sure. If you can fight well off the back foot, great. Even better if you can avoid that and learn how to pivot, how to angle, how to how to not get put moving backwards and deal with pressure. But man, if you're a tough grinder, ugly dude, get in there and and and, th and throw some bombs and stay in the pocket, and you're able to push guys back, and, and everybody you fight can't deal with that. That's what you should do, man. Let play to your strength. And I think Drew also being such a a, a uh, a veteran of the sport. The guy's had a ton of fights. His resume well. is, is impressive at this point. Yeah. He, he's, he's been around. Um, go for it, man. Uh, keep pushing it. I mean, father time, again, I know I keep saying this, but father time catches up with everybody. And there will be a point in this guy's, uh, career when he can't do that anymore. And when that happens, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a downfall. It's going to get knocked out. Yeah. That's, that's how this happens. Yeah. But, uh, but um, not today. 
Not not this yeah. Saturday. Well, we don't know. Well, we'll see. Um, <laughs> I know you're not supposed to do MMA math, but the two guys, two of the guys that Favilla's Favilla's lost to, uh, Drew Dober is beaten. So it's one of those things where it's like you're, you know, you're kind of fighting because. You know, you're running out of a stable <laughs> and like guys have to there has to be some matchmaking uh, sacrifices made. Um, I think this is the best parlay anchor of the entire card. I think that if you're if you're if I'm really sure about anything, I'm not sure about anything. But if uh, the thing I'm the most comfortable betting on this entire card is Drew Dober. So if you're going to put one or two risky parlay um, bets on something, I would use Drew as the um, as the anchor there. Cron uh, Gracie. Uh, veterans of the of the mixed martial arts game. People have been watching this sport a long time. Uh, anyone who's seen Red Belt, one of my favorite movies, uh, the Gracies. They're 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 the fathers of mixed martial arts because they made everybody their children when they first introduced jujitsu into competition way back in the day. Um, there's a great documentary about uh, I think it's Hoist Gracie uh, doing one of those Grand Prix style. Um, uh, tournaments where they, you know, you fight like a bunch of times in a night, which is fucking insane to me. Uh, it's called Choke. You can watch it on YouTube if you guys are interested or if any of the listeners are interested. And it's a really intimate portrait of like every time he goes and fights, he nobody knows about jujitsu. Like nobody knows about it. So he goes and just jujitsu's everybody, but he, he gets a little beat up along the way and he's like dealing with injuries as he goes. And, and he, you know, the only reason he's able to do this is because he's basically adapted um jujitsu into this brazilian style that's incredibly elite for for finishing competitive fights um in in the mixed martial arts arena and the gracies they're one of the first people you ever told me about ben you know you you told me a story about one of them getting their arm broken and finishing a fight when we were at ihop in like 2005 i remember this very clearly because i have a fucking great memory i'm like an elephant but oh boy ben i I don't mean to hurt your feelings about that i know your memory is not great but it's okay um the 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 fact of the matter is and the thing i'm getting at is this name is synonymous with mixed martial arts. If there's any name that's royalty in this game, it's Gracie. Um, this guy did get finished uh, in his last fight. He took a long time off. Um, I don't know if just having the name is anything, but there's no way his jiu-jitsu is not elite. There's no way he was not raised in an environment that is that is crazy fucking high stakes for, for uh, making a name for yourself in combat sports. But, Ben, to your point before we started recording, and I'll start with you on this, he's a rich kid. You know, he grew yep. up in in a in a in in royalty. He's still royalty, and royalty that's soft like baby poop. Am I wrong? No, no, you're not. And I'm gonna and, and, and I'm gonna go off on the Gracies a little bit here. Um, oh no, I thought you liked them. Oh uh, well, so synonymous with uh, the development of the UFC and mixed martial arts where it is today. Um, uh, obviously, there was there was um, like the UFC getting bought, Dana White being involved, all this. But uh, the Gracies were bullies. Um, and, you would be uh, too, though, right? <laughs> I, guess. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, it's hard to say. All the Gracies were raised incredibly wealthy. Um, Kron's father, Hickson, um, is probably one of the, I don't know if notorious is the word, probably one of the most notorious Gracies because of uh, his record. Um, so among... Uh, so this was back in the day of uh, like um, the no holds barred uh, Brazilian fight, two hundred and fifty now. What is Hickson? Is Hickson crazy? Never, crazy. yeah, no, never lost a fight. Um, that's uh, 
kind of probably bullshit. Um, or at least the numbers have been, ha- or like who was it have, that he fought to? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hickson was incredibly they famous for his, shows. For, for his fight, <laughs> for his fight on the, on the beach with, uh, the famous Luta Libre family, the Gracie family and the Luta Libre family fought each other on the beach and Hickson. And I can't remember what the other guy's name was. So it goes to show, you know, the winner right history, but, um, they had a famous fight on the famous fight on the beach. Yeah. 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 No good. (laughs) And, um, it's recorded. You can go look this up online. And and that was, uh, that was one of the most, that that was a huge thing at the time of, of, uh, Luta Libre was wrestling. Um, uh, the, Gracie's were Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Hickson put it on this guy. And he was, he was always like that. That was just the kind of guy he was. Um, same thing with, with Hoist, with, uh, Henzo. Henzo is a literal Nazi though. And, uh. Oh, really? You know, so, oh, yeah. yeah. And Henzo, Henzo like in New York Like a national socialist party? Like, like, a, like, like a Hitler? A, like, like quoting like, Hitler on Twitter oh, and all this no. stuff during, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, Jeez, that being so, the that being underbelly said, of the Gracie family we're learning about today. Absolutely. Yeah. Tons of people left his academy and, 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 uh, you know, he, he does have, uh, to, you know, credit where credit's due. Um, I don't know how you give credit to a Nazi, but he, he does, uh, he had, he has produced some of the nice best boots. grapplers in the world. John, let's <laughs> um, John Donaher, uh, and, and, uh, the Donaher death squad came out of, uh, Henzo Gracie's gym. And now you see guys like, uh, Gordon Wright, who was, uh, who was a product of, of Henzo Gracie. Um, I was part of that Enzo Gracie lineage at one point, um, before, before I switched out and it's just sure. kind of, uh, they're all kind of scumbags is, <laughs> is the point that you get. Um, at least Matt Sarah's a fun scumbag. Yeah. 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 He did. He, 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 I mean, he seems like an asshole, but Didn't he get I, hit I by a train. He's the craziest no, person I've ever heard speak. That's Matt Hughes. Oh, Matt Hughes. Matt Hughes got, got hit by a train. Yeah. yeah. Um, so circling back. Because like I kind of had to get all that out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, it seems like it seems like it was in there. <laughs> yeah, I was wait, I was waiting for my chance. Uh, cr- I mean, Cron Gracie. Um, I think it's interesting because he got he got finished and he had to take time off. He obviously has that opportunity being a rich kid and 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 having the background that he does. Um, one of the most accomplished pure jujitsu artists uh, in the world today. Um, incredibly talented fantastic uh competed in the mondias won the won uh the adc uh cc um so 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 good at grappling but you see time and time again people uh, this is interesting because i think it has to do with the culture of brazilian jiu-jitsu and what that it what that sort of style is like you see so many guys like kron come in um, who's the, uh, who's the guy who, so Kron trains with, uh, with the Diaz brothers. Um, who is the other guy who was training with the Diaz brothers, the blonde kid? Jake um, Shields. No, not Jake Shields. Um, he, Olivera? Yeah, he's, no, no, he, he, he's, uh, he, he's American. God, I won't be able to remember his name, but he was a fantastic, uh, grappler. Um, went into MMA, got knocked out. Um, uh, it's a different game because. Yeah. In jujitsu, there are so many opportunities during the, during the match for you to hold and rest. And then you're able to keep, then you're able to, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, they say it's a fast paced chess match, but you have all these opportunities to slow things down. Especially in the gi. If you have the gi. Yeah. On, you, you can just grab onto people yeah. and hold on. Um, and, and Kron Gracie is, is one of the best, uh, gi competitors in the world. Um, that being said, I have a hard time um, 
betting against, I'm not a betting man, but betting against somebody who has a skill set like Cron Gracie. When you think about say, guys like, I mean, Nick, all that, I was like, literally going to say, all that being said, he's going to drag Jordan down to the fucking ground and submit him, right? Like, that is yeah. what's going to happen in this fight. He's the underdog, yes. too. There's value here. Yeah. No, I, 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 I don't see any way around it. it yeah. I think if in the first, in the first round of the fight, if he is, unable to get Jordan down to the ground, I think that will tell the tale of the fight because I think Kron has uh, has a tendency to break. Um, like I think a lot of the Gracies and a lot of top-tier jiu-jitsu guys do in mixed martial arts once they realize this is no longer their world um, and uh, they can't bring them down to the mats where they have the, uh, where they have the upper hand. Um, if Kron is able to do that and he's able to catch an angle to, um, to take him down however it happens, um, then you have no question how this fight's going to go. I mean, nobody beats this guy on the Matt, like last fight, the reason he lost was because he sort of abandoned jiu-jitsu and tried to strike, right? He's not going to make that same mistake again. His dad probably fucking yelled at him or his uncle or something. Um, as much as Jordan has is back against the wall, he really needs this win. Um, you know, Canadian striking versus legacy jiu-jitsu, like Ben was just talking about, as much as these guys are apparently a pack of fucking scumbags, he's going to get the win via submission, yeah. Yeah, I would. I have to agree, but I mean, the line scares me here. This is one of those Vegas. All we've seen from Cron Gracie this week is he got mad that Henry uh, Sugiro had autograph rights in front of him as far as timing goes. He wouldn't answer questions at the media day. This kid's got like, he's a nut job. You know what I mean? <laughs> so who knows what he's going to do? If he takes somebody to the ground, it's over. If he doesn't, who knows what's going to happen? He's unpredictable, and you don't want to put He's your unpredictable. Mind. Yeah, I mean, fair. Fair. I'll be betting the uh, win by submission. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're right. He is fucking He is fucking unpredictable. I don't like it either. Um, and honestly, based on just the moral implications of his entire family bloodline I uh, that I just learned about, really, um, I don't think that I will be putting any money on him. Um, really quick, because I let I let the time get away from us. We're going to have to rush through Jessica Andrade and, uh, and Jan. Um, Jessica Andrade, as much as she's coming off a loss, she's super fucking dangerous. I, I think she's winning this fight. Um, Agreed. she fucking dumped Rose Namajunas on her fucking head in a really, really scary way. Uh, she's a good fighter. She's a scary lady. She's serious business. Um, I think that the line's crazy here. I, I would, I would, I would think that, uh, Andrade at the time of recording is minus 195. I would think minus 250. So there is some value in the favorite bet maybe here. Uh, Matt would talk to me. It's really simple. Chinese fighters are scary, man. They're just capable of. You they're think? so well disciplined. Yeah, they're the just here? they're so well disciplined in all aspects that I I think she, you know this girl goes to the same school as uh, as Whaley Jen or she, she that's where she started. So I I think that's probably why the line is so close. But I'm I'm with you. Andrade is just so strong. So I mean, she's twenty four and ten. Like she's got more experience. She's just ready for this. She looks scary. She's, she's scary. Scar she's got a scary looking face again. Would. <laughs> yeah. I think that you should I think you should have her fight the other scary looking face Brazilian lady and see how that goes Ooh. Um, I want to I want to carve out some time for the co-main and the main so we're just going to move on um, the Bilal Muhammad Gilbert Burns fight so we were all vocally disappointed with Gilbert Burns' performance against Jorge Masvidal but it was very recently so credit to him for getting back in so quickly One month. he took absolutely no fucking damage though so but, I mean, you are on a schedule, a training schedule, a weight-cutting schedule, so it's not easy to do what he's doing. Um, that being said, this fight has all the fucking hallmarks of pencil-out culture. Like, 
these guys might circle each other for for th- for three rounds and not do anything and 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 really cancel each other out. I find Bilal Muhammad obnoxious. Uh, I, I find his fighting style very very. Remember safe. the name. Yeah, remember the name of the most common name on the planet. The, mo- <laughs> the literally most common name on the planet is Muhammad. Remember the name. It's really difficult. Uh, give me a fucking break, dude. Uh, when he's on uh, as a commentator, you know the UFC does this funny thing where. They're like, okay, so we got Daniel Cormier, who was kind of a larger than life character, and he's like kind of gregarious and funny, and we'll make him a, a play-by-play guy. We got Michael Bisbing, who like obviously he's his own biggest fan, and he like he 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 speaks like someone who suffered a lot of head trauma, but sometimes he can be somewhat funny, and he's a decent commentator. Paul Felder, very professional, very cut, he does the work. Then they have this fun thing where they have like the UFC after show where it's like the people under the stairs. It's like let's have Anthony Lionheart Smith say some stuff when we know it's everyone's tuning so over the awful. channel. Let's let Bilal Muhammad say some shit when we know everybody's turning over the channel. Like, we're not letting him on the fucking main broadcast, but I guess he can say some shit afterwards. Let's let Dustin Poirier in there where, you know, he can say whatever he wants. If he talks about going down the hall to fuck his sister, nobody's going to get really hear about it because it's on the show nobody watches. Bilal Muhammad is one of those people. I mean, I'm sure he's setting himself up for a career after the UFC, and I have to respect anybody that gets their bag. But goddamn, does that guy rub me the wrong way? He's got a weird face. It's getting weirder. Uh, <laughs> I don't like him. I don't like his fighting style. I find him incredibly safe. He's a point fighter. Uh, and and both of these guys, I, I was advocating, Ben, I was advocating, as you know, for Gilbert Burns to get a shot um, at the title if he put it on Masvidal. We were all disappointed with the performance he put in. That, you can go back and look uh, and listen um, to the show where we talked about that. But fucking Bilal Muhammad, like, I never really thought he deserved any sort of a crack at the welterweight belt for, for basically just for performance. Like, he wins, I get it, but it's like, it's, it's it, there's an entertainment factor here. You know, you gotta go do it. Especially when guys at the top are Leon Edwards head-kicking fucking Kamaru Usman into oblivion. Like, you gotta show me something. Am I, am I, is that unfair? I mean, he's a good fighter. He wins his fights. No, this is a spectator sport, man. And, yeah. uh, and, and at the end of the day, the, the, this is a business. And, uh, and the UFC isn't in the business of losing money and, uh, and putting in, and putting together these promotions to put on someone like Bilal Muhammad in a main event. I mean, you're just not going to get the return there. Us. Like you yeah. want, you want to, you turn him to tune in to hopefully see the guy that beats him. And then the, the division's exciting. Again. Is that going to be Gilbert uh, Burns? I, I, I'm never going to, uh, bet against Gilbert Burns just cause I like him. Um, I, yeah, I think he, he's exciting. I know, I know we were disappointed with his performance against Jordi Masvidal who looked uh who looked massive against Gilbert Burns I think yeah. Gilbert Burns is, is a fairly undersized guy for this weight class yeah. um but but he, fights, but again, he fights his size though right like I feel like he he controls his range really well I feel yeah. like he can go anywhere you know the fight takes you um that being said like he should have just dragged Jorge down and fucking submitted him you know what I mean yeah, like yeah. he's like yeah he's got moisturizer well, on yeah, Jorge's TDD is is takedown defense for the casuals. It's uh, it is what it was always one of the best in the sport. That's true. He, his, Fair. His, his grip fighting, his anti wrestling was fantastic, and uh, Gilbert Burns is an amazing jujitsu practitioner. But, but yeah, fair. But yeah, you have to get there. Um, so this will be interesting. I hope they're canceled out because I think Gilbert Burns will have uh, have a slight advantage on the feet here against Bilal. Matt, what does this fight look like? How does it play out? Because I can't really put my finger on what it's actually going to look like. And I hope it's not the worst case scenario, which we all know. So I'm going to do something that I have yet to do in my life. And I'm going to bet on Bilal Muhammad um, because I thought Thompson was going to put him away. I thought Vincenzo Luque was going to put him away. I thought he was going to lose to Brady as well. So 
So he's Abdi Abed Muhammad. He's pissed, man. He's super pissed. He got passed over for what was a clear shot at the belt. It should have been him and Leon for a rematch. It's, instead no of Kobe, I'll give it, I'll give you that. But Kobe again, he puts asses in seats, man. I agree. I listen. It's just Kobe doesn't deserve. The it's a shot. business decision. I mean, it's a fucking business decision. This is America. Yeah, you're maybe you're right, but it doesn't change the fact that Bilal is pissed, and I think he's going to come out here. And after watching Gilbert, he lost to to Hamza, which I thought he won, and then really, really shitty performance against yeah an easy target. But, you know, like Ben, to Ben's defense. point. To Ben's point, though, I mean, you know, Styles make fights, blah blah blah. It's the old cliche. You know, he might have just been the worst guy. To, to give to Gilbert Burns to go put away. You know, you know why I think uh, Bilal's got a real shot here? It's a five-round fight, and I think that that favors Bilal big Is time. It? Yep. Interesting. I know. Interesting. That um, really okay. favors Bilal. That's fair. That's that's a good point. Um, I still think Gilbert Burns. I, I, I have a hard time betting against him, like Ben said. Uh, but anyway, that's going to be an interesting co-main. Um, I like at least one of the guys. I like at least one of the guys in the co-main. I like Gilbert Burns. I don't so much like um, the other guy. I can't remember his name. Um, so I'll just, I did, did you see what I did there? Um, yeah. Aljamain Sterling and Henry Cejudo are fighting. I fucking don't like either of these guys. Uh, I, I've always, I think Aljamain Sterling is really talented. I really like how unique his wrestling style is. Like say what you will about like what, how, how he presents himself. I do think he's a very singular fighter and difficult to predict how his fights are going to go. Um, it's always left a bad taste in my mouth how the Piotr Jan uh, Aljamain Sterling title fight went because he was getting yep. fucking brakes beaten off him and he 1000% faked an injury because he knew 1000% it was a bad performance and I mean that in an acting sense um, and yeah he went and beat the shit out of Piotr Jan after that but like it's it's still it wasn't fair I didn't like it I didn't like how it went down it was it was a waste of everybody's time and it wasn't it wasn't what the fighting man's supposed to do. Um, you, you gotta, you gotta get back up and continue the fight, regardless of the fact that you're getting your ass whooped. I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily blame him in that regard. I think the rules need to get addressed there because why would you continue to fight when you can win a no contest in that situation? Don't put it on the fighter to make that decision. You know, like you gotta, you, you gotta have the rules set to make, to make these decisions, but it's hard to get that taste out of my mouth. That being said, um, I really fucking hope he beats Henry Cejudo. That guy's like, I know it's a character, but it's fucking annoying. It's not so funny. annoying. Um, I, I think he's super talented, Henry Cejudo, but I really think he's been eating fucking pies and cheeseburgers for the last few years. And I don't, I think he's, I think that as much as he's a great game planner and he, I think he's one of the best tape guys, uh, other than maybe John Jones, um, in the sport. I, I think he's overconfident here. I really think he's going to, he thinks he's going to be able to do to get to Aljamain Sterling, what he was able to do to like TJ Dillashaw. And I just don't think that's the case. Um, Ben, am I am I crazy? I mean, you're as a as a professional yourself. Uh, do you, I'm sure you have respect for what what Henry Cejudo's done, I, you know his accomplishments, his Olympic accomplishments. But I mean, this character, you know, it's just so tiresome. I mean, you got to have respect for both these guys. They 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 both. Have, I mean, uh, Aljamain, to your point about uh, uh, Jan, he uh, he he really played the fucking bitch role that fight. But then he came back and he did it. Um, yeah. and he fought the same guy and he beat him. And, uh, I think he's very talented. Um, he trained out of, uh, uh, with Matt Sarah, um, great grappler, incredibly athletic guy. I think, um, his level of activity is going to be his, uh, it's going to be what kind of gives him the edge here against the guy who's been, who's coming back to your point, probably hasn't been 
training super hard, hasn't been on the hard diet. Um, uh, Henry obviously has some fantastic accomplishments. Nobody gives a shit about what you did 10 years yeah. ago, yeah. How, however long it's today. Like, let's see how you perform. And uh, man, I just want somebody to shut this dude up. I, yeah. God, I can't, like, I know it's a character. I know that we all say that. Like, in the same thing with, what's his name? Uh, who's the other kid uh, that, uh, uh, that we were just talking about? Who, who Marty Fake Newsman. Yeah, for, Marty Fake Newsman beat the shit Kobe out Kobe, of him. Kobe um, Covington, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I know it's supposed to be a character. I, I mean, I'm hoping Kobe Covington. Yeah, dear God, but, nobody uh, can really that, but, right? um, <laughs> but, like, I mean, you're, nobody else is in on the joke with you, bud. Like yeah. we, we like we we get it that it's a character. We know that you know we know it's a character, but we're not like, oh, he's doing his thing, man. He's just doing his thing. Like, yeah. uh, dude, shut up and just be quiet. Go in there and perform. There's or, a guy on or, TikTok that does like uh, when the fringe friend shows up, and <laughs> like is the is the theme of like the character, and he's like, huh. Saw you last night. You were oh, blocked out, and it's like, dude, nobody really thinks you're cool or wants you here. But we're not. We're too nice to not say it. So I guess you yeah, can come to the God. bar. <laughs> you know, um, I agree. I, I agree. I, I just think Henry. Yeah, nobody's in on the joke with you, pal. Is a perfect way to put it. Um, still, uh, I, I it's been a while, but I've learned my lesson against betting against him. Like he put away everybody I thought was going to beat him, including TJ. So Matt, where's your money landed? I've got a horrible gambler stat that I heard today. I literally heard it today. In this weight class, people over the age of 35 fighting for a belt are 2 and 28. Ooh. Give me Aljo all day. Interesting. interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very interesting. When you think about it, it makes sense because we were talking about how heavyweights are dangerous no matter who they are because they're so heavy and they throw those punches. These guys are so light and so athletic that the older you get, the worse you are in that division. Goes up more and you're fast. That's why they move up in weight. Yeah. Oh, that's a decent point. Um, okay, well, we're out of time. I'm going to leave it there. All very good points. Really appreciate you, gents. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Check My Oil, uh, brought to you by Missing the Point. Tune in on Saturday at the regular time. Main card starts at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. And in the main event, we will find out once and for all who is the king of Munchkinland. Uh, I'm sorry, who is the 135-pound champion? So, for myself, Matt Wilcox, Ben Peek, thank you so much for checking our oil. Bye-bye.
Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that the No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big on this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid.